Welcome back to another episode of People of Product. And if you've been following us for the last few episodes, we've been going back through the series of back to the basics. What are the basics of product management? We've done over 100 episodes interviewing folks, talking between Dan and I, and what we realized is sometimes it just is a reminder to go back to the basic things, whether it's agile or team alignment or just best ways to work together with human beings. Uh, going back to the basics is something that we actually heard recently when we were having some leadership events that we were hosting that several of the leaders kept saying, I just feel like we're missing the basics. Mm -hmm. We're missing the things that we should know how to do and we're just not doing them well. So we thought, you know what? Let's kick off the year, kick off this next season and go through a back to basics mm -hmm. series. So far in our series, we've talked about a few things. On um, the first episode, you would have heard us talk through the idea of what is a digital product. There's a lot of things um, that come up when you Google what is a digital product, uh, a lot around like online courses. What we're talking about primarily is software, technology, um, usually web or mobile-based things, helping organizations run better or save cost or you know do something at scale. Second is how do you start one of these initiatives? How do you actually get into this space of saying, we wanna build something and why do you wanna build it? What big problem are you trying to solve? How can you get people aligned around that problem you're trying to solve? Third is how do you get your team aligned? How do you actually pull people together to make sure that they understand why you're doing what you're doing, what the role is as, as um, you play out this story of what you're going to do, and get buy-in so that you can make sure that you're all pointed towards the right North Star, the right thing together, so that there's commitment and accountability to actually getting that thing done. Fourth is um, really thinking about now that you've gotten uh, the team aligned, you've, you've named what you're going to be working on is really setting out in front of you a roadmap of how you might get there. Hmm. What's it going to take to get there? What's our North Star? What's our destination that we're going towards? There's lots of flexibility in that. Those are living documents, but how are we going to get there? Okay, so now that we have all those things in play, we've got buy-in, we've got a team aligned, we know where we're going, and we have a general direction of how we're going to do that. Now we need to start breaking that into the work that has to be done. Hmm. And that tends to be in the agile world, epics and user stories. Let's jump into that. All right, Dan, have you ever read the Iliad by Homer? Define read. <laughs> have you read the whole thing? <laughs> no, I think maybe back in high school a few chapters yeah i'm i'm familiar with homer yeah and or did he write the iliad or the odyssey i'm not for sure maybe he wrote both i have no idea i feel like justin on our team would be mocking us right now for not knowing the difference of those I'm and sure. being able to reference key characters I in those i fully anticipate a good mocking within yeah, whenever whatever he the time li listens to is. this yes. right right um yeah but uh iliad when you search like what is an epic hmm um, and one of the first that comes up of the greatest epics of all time is, right. is Iliad. It's this, um, they tend to be poems. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. They are long, drawn out poems. Mm -hmm. They're usually about ancient characters. Yeah. Uh, they've got all these sub stories that are in them. They're trying to teach some principle or moral yeah. or kind of way of seeing the world. Yeah. It's like uh, a lot of them are also oral traditions. Oh, really? Yeah. Passed on down um, from one generation to the next. A lot of times, uh, again, doing a little bit of research, they're narrating deeds of these legendary, you know, heroic figures. Um, so these are the stories that like the kids sit down and they're like, oh, dad, not again. 
and they go through and tell the story. But then when they become dads, they're like, yes. oh, I'm going to do this to my kids. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, we got a few of those. Just yeah. And there's some cool modern day epics, you know, that we're probably all familiar with, you know, gl- movies like Gladiator oh, or, yeah. you know, uh, Braveheart or big, mm-hmm. big productions, big storylines with lots of sub stories, larger than life kind of characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think what's interesting about an epic and then kind of the stories that are inside of that is you, you have this opportunity that any time in an epic, like I think Justin has done this at Crema where he's gone in and said like, you know, the story, that one story about this character, right. This Greek character in the Iliad and like this, he could, he can almost tell that story in isolation. Right. And that kind of plays into a little bit of what we're talking today. Yeah. There's some subtle differences. Yeah. Uh, epic is like if you've watched one of those movies or you've read those stories, you almost have to break them down in phases because they're so big and they cover such a, a timeline. Yeah. Even, uh, not just the length of the story itself, but the timeline that's told within that epic in order to understand um, great uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Reading those books. Um, yeah, you, re- you didn't watch the show. You read the I books. read all the books. They were so fascinating. But there are so many characters, so many timelines, backstories. Sometimes you had to go back hundreds of pages to a specific part just to, okay, where am I at mm. in this? It was just too big to consume. I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> I probably should. That's that's a lot of work. Right. Um, but the point being is like, depending on how long maybe you read one book to the other, or you were waiting patiently or impatiently for it to come out. Yeah. Um, breaking down the stories um, and going back and reviewing them or even fast forwarding to some where it was extremely not just helpful, but almost necessary. Yeah. To truly understand what was going on. And again, breaking it up into, I guess, what I'm trying to get is consumable chunks. Yep. yep. Which, I mean, let's not dance around it. I mean, we know our audience. We know right. that a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast are product people already, right? Or right. they are associated or trying to get into the product world. So the product managers, product designers, developers, product leaders, et cetera. Right. And so you probably already know or heard of this idea of epics and stories. It's a pretty common way to manage work inside of Agile. So one of the tough aspects of is as you bring a team together is how do you approach the work that you're doing through the lens uh, of agile specifically, but then also getting it down to epics and Mm -hmm. stories. Um, And the challenging part of that too is like software is complex. So if you're approaching a complex problem, how do you start to break it down? Kind of like the epics we just talked about into consumable chunks so that each person of a collective team knows exactly kind of with a little bit more clarity what they're, what we're doing. Yeah, so I, I went searching a little bit and I thought, I mean, we've we've talked about epics and stories in previous episodes and, mm-hmm. and you, you've probably noticed that we pull quotes from other conversations that we've had and I thought, I'm just, I'm kind of curious if maybe there's a different way to approach figuring out what someone might, how someone might define mm-hmm. what an epic, epic and a story is. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the, I'm going to get it wrong, it's called G, GPT-3? GPT-3? Is that the kind of gold looking guy on star wars no that's cp3 oh c3po oh that's right <laughs> that was a bad joke oh uh, yeah i like it it's, i mean it's kind oh, of the same try. thing it's artificial intelligence right yeah, yeah um but no i have uh, very very little. loosely kind yeah. of heard it. well yeah. uh, recently twitter exploded because mm. um there's this been this ai that people have been working from for actually a couple of years now that's probably one of the like in the background is becoming way smarter than any of the rest of them mm. And um, it's contributed to things like OpenAI and, and others. But recently they released a chatbot. 
Hmm. which was kind of funny because quite honestly, I kind of lost interest in chatbots over the last couple of years. Yeah. They, supposedly they were going to take over the world, but they all kind of sucked. Yeah, they kind of just a little bit of a decline. Yeah, like, nah, this isn't very good. Yeah. This is really good, dude. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of crazy how good it is. And I don't want to spend too much time on this episode talking about, you know, AI. Right. But I did ask it, what Mr. or Mrs. It <laughs> AI, um, what would you say an epic or story is in Agile? It reads as this, which I just, I was blown away at how, hmm. how much it was like something we would say. But the quote is, in agile development, epics and stories are used to break down and organize the work that needs to be done. Simple. That's, I like, that's a really good, succinct yep. way to say. But it goes on to say that an epic is a large, high-level piece of work that is too big to be completed in one iteration. So that might be a sprint, like one or two weeks. It is typically... Uh, decomposed, good word, mm. into smaller, more manageable pieces called stories. That mm. goes back to what we were just talking about, epics being broken down into stories. A story is a user-centered description of a feature or functionality that the team will work on in an iteration, again, in those two weeks. Right. It is written in a format like, and we'll talk more about this, as a quote-unquote user, I want a quote-unquote feature so that I can get mm. a particular benefit. So as a user, I want a feature so that I benefit in some way. And then finally, epics and stories are used to help the team. We've been talking about teams through this whole thing here, people product, prioritize and plan their work, allowing them to focus on delivering value to the user, meeting the project's goals. Okay, that's pretty Dude, wild. That's so weird. So what would you say, GTP3, GPT3? Yeah, Whatever. it's actually GPT3, that's, I put it in That's well. what it spit back at? Yeah, I mean, wow. and, and I, I, I won't even go into the fact that I kept asking it more questions. Yeah. And it just kept getting it right. Yeah. It was so good. I mean, it nailed it. So, okay, let's learn from our AI friend here. Yep. Um, so epics, they, again, larger, uh, more robust, a little bit, uh, quite a bit higher level impact driven what we find though however with epics again going back to that consumable chunks is like they're quite a bit more open-ended yeah um they help us shape shape the outcome they kind of really rally us around that especially when you talk about roadmaps the north yeah. star yeah. sometimes you'll even see epics are what's laid on the roadmap. right yeah. right they start to get us our how do we want to march from point a to point b right so for example an epic could be um, implementing a new payment gateway uh, for an online store. Mm -hmm. However, that's a big that which, by the way, big effort. Yeah, and it's pretty common. Yep. You know, building software. Okay, we need, if, especially if there's going to be some level of purchasing. Uh, okay, we got to implement a, a payment gateway. However, this is too large um, of a function, if you will, to do in one iteration. Right. So it would be as our friend Miss uh, Mr. or Mrs. AI uh, said, <laughs> decomposed weird. into yeah. smaller stories, such as. As a user, I want to add a credit card um, to my account so I can make purchases. Or as a user, um, I want a confirmation page after I complete an order. So even there, we start to compose it in, into more consumable chunks. And so these stories would then be prioritized and worked on by the team in individual iterations or sprints. And the hard part, honestly, and this is, I mean, you and I, I think probably a couple years into Crema is when we started to realize the value of agile we started mm -hmm. to realize the value of not just listing out the features that we need to build and then going and building them but right. actually breaking things down into these things called user stories mm -hmm. 
And we, in epics and user stories and the balance between those things and what's kind of a milestone, what's a goal, what's an epic, what's a user story. Mm -hmm. And there was just this constant kind of dance, Mm -hmm. this this tension between what's detailed enough, what's too detailed, what's big enough, what's too big, you know? Um, And I think that it really depends on the project. It depends on the team, but that's, that's an art and science to get that right. And anytime you have art and science together, you can basically art plus science equals challenge or complex. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and that's where, as we start to think about uh, building product, the rubber hits the road. And so epics and stories are just a tool. Yep. They're a tool to help you strike that balance and prioritize between the art and the science. For some folks, um, it can be the most important part of the process because they become some level of a source of truth. But here is the challenge with that. Yep. We have to remember that as we unpack the work that needs to be done, uh, there are a lot of factors pulling on how to describe what should be done, to what level of fidelity, um, and in what order. And so hence prioritization, but also, okay, great. I wanna add a credit card, let's go back to that story, or I want to implement a payment gateway, but to what fidelity? Right, right. What does that look like? And how priority? How much of a priority is it? Yeah, it's so hard because the, the, the ultimate goal is that you wanna keep the team aligned, mm. right? You want, and this is why I said it's a tool. Um, and right. so the balance between tool and truth is, right. is pretty fine because for certain people, they want explicity. Explicity? Explicit. Explicit. Why does that not sound right? Is that the right word? Specificity. Specificity. Well, let's re- redo yeah, that we'll one. Use specificity. Word. Yeah. They want specificity. Yep. Yeah. They want it to be very clear so that their accountability is clear. Mm-hmm. They're committing to something that's exact so that they can go, I will do said thing because mm-hmm. I was told to do said thing and right. I can achieve said thing. But in reality, given that most of the things that we've talked about so far, whether it's a roadmap being a living document Mm -hmm. or the vision being something you need to get by on and input from, so are user stories and epics. There are these living um, uh, working documents of what we're focused on next. And so it's really a tool to get people uh, aligned around what they're going to be accountable to and making sure they just know what needs to be focused on next. Well, and so we use two words, specificity and prioritization, and both of those are subjective. Yeah. And so because of that, and again, we're trying to get to some level or of uh, greater clarity, greater objectivity, but we're still high level. And so because of that, it's really important that when we create epics or we create those stories, it's not done in isolation or in silos. Yeah. So in light of that, George, who would you say or what role Mm. or individual (laughs) on a team is responsible for creating and helping to organize those epics? The agile debate of the ages. Um, I mean, I have seen fights (laughs) get started over this question uh, because uh, the short and long of it is that no one really loves writing user stories. Mm. Okay. Right. We want to get to building the features. We want to do the thing. But it is important to kind of, again, draw the team together to be aligned. And so we've, well, I mean, we've struggled with this in the past. Um, we used to have a role called strategist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and actually we're bringing that role back, but in general, we had a role called strategist. And for us, the strategists were kind of like our internal product owner. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times if you're in an in-house product team, you'll have a product owner that works with the product manager and oversees the direction of the product. A lot of times product owner will be really owning those epics. Mm-hmm. What is the big high level thing that we think ought to be done based off of data, feedback, user uh, input, or stakeholder input? But they're the ones usually shaping that. But long and short is that it's kind of the role of the team, Mm. right? It's kind of the role of everybody involved. So 
um, while they're typically written by the product owner, um, it really needs to be a collaboration with them and the development team with input from designers, from test engineers, um, and stakeholders even. Mm -hmm. um, so making sure that everybody's involved, just like we talked about in early alignment, that they're in they're involved in why is this the thing we're going to be doing next? Mm -hmm. Um, how have we broken it down? Do we all understand what this means that this is an achievable chunk of work? If you said right. earlier, um, I think that's, it's really input for all those people involved to make sure that we're mm -hmm. getting to the right product goals. Right. So George, you, with, in that thought, you mentioned user centered yeah. and even within, okay, we're talking about epics and stories and these are centered around people. Mm -hmm. And so as we talk about epics and stories, um, there are some common mistakes and just some things really to w look for or consider yeah. as, as you're creating uh, epics and stories. Big one uh, right off the bat is, again, these are user-centered. And so epics and stories uh, should focus on the users and their needs rather than technical details or, 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 or internal processes. I mean, it's, really, it's called a story. Yeah. And within a story, within an epic, there are real people. Um, actually the epic and stored is created around characters. And so it should describe a piece of that experience, what they may experience as they're using that feature, using that functionality and the purpose, uh, rather than just the thing it will do. Yeah. It's so tempting to just go in and say, I need a button and the button will be blue. And when you click the button, a thing will happen. Mm. Um, right. It's, I think that's one of the reasons that it is written like a story going back to what we said earlier, which is that formula of saying I'm X type of user. I actually encourage a lot of the people that we work with to say like, tell me what type of user it is. Mm -hmm. Even if you have to say it over and over again, it kind of just beats it into your head. I am a, a new user or I am a returning user mm -hmm. or I am an admin user or I'm a, um, a paid user or a free user, like give some conditional statement to who this person is. Mm -hmm. And you can give, you know, you can even characterize them in some ways, but uh, like, again, more than just as a user, I will be able to do a thing. Like give it, give it a narrative, right? Give it something right. to kind of wrap your face, your face around. <laughs> give gonna, it, give it. I'm going to wrap your face around a wrap, tree. Just wrap your face around that. To wrap your, your kind of mind around that mm. um, and get an idea of what it looks like. Um, and then the second part of that. So as an XW, so as a new user, I want to do X. Mm -hmm. So as a new user, I want to sign up for this service. Mm hmm but then why, why would I want to sign up for the service? Like we always should be talking about the impact value reason for why we're doing the purpose for something. Mm -hmm. And partly this is, a, it becomes a little bit redundant. I'll be honest. I've written thousands of user stories in my career. Mm. And at a certain point you're like, do I, do I need to tell you why really? Isn't it not <laughs> right. obvious why this feature exists? It has to exist. Right. It's a not, it's an app. It has right. login. Yep. But the discipline of saying I need to, as, as a new user, I want to log in so that I can purchase a new product. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I've got to log in to do it. Mm -hmm. So what am I trying to get to? The purchasing of a new product. Right. You know, or I'm trying to get into the functionality that I think is behind this gateway. Mm -hmm. And if you, don't, if you don't train yourself to just be thinking all the time about value, purpose, why, then you'll inevitably always slip back to feature description do. Right. Right. And forget about the purpose of the, the person involved. Mm -hmm. And this plays into another common mistake um, that once you have kind of defined that, okay, this is for this user, they want to do this thing. Then going back to people is if the people don't know what's actionable, mm. it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. So if, you're, if your user story isn't actionable, if the team can't align around what actually needs to be done and who's responsible for it and what's in play, then 
then you really you're setting everybody up for failure. Right. And this is really key. And it goes back to an earlier point of like who's responsible for writing um, or not just writing, but also contributing and giving input yeah. into the story. Um, like this shouldn't be done in silos. And this is why early on, you know, all members of your team need to have some level of insight yeah. and input into stories. So developers, designers, test engineers, product managers. Um, so as so good things to maybe ask yourself um, as a team is, have we considered everything? Yeah. What are the acceptance criteria of um, as we write a user story, it should, if you want to say pass, yep, yep. These, these acceptance criteria. Um, other other aspects of that in order to uh, make it actionable is that there needs to be things in there that can be referenceable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, things such as design assets or even other stories and tasks that need to be done that might be blocking this type of work. Again, if we're to have an alignment around it and we want to unblock people, what all do they need to have context of? Again, creating context within stories. Unless you have context, the story really doesn't make sense. And so mm -hmm. same with um, as you're writing user stories and epics for um, agile development. There needs to be the context that everybody has so that the, the story can be written well um, so that we can all commit to the work. Yeah, we didn't talk about this you know, even before recording, but I think that there's there's there are different types of stories or tasks mm. that need to be done. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I learned a new word recently because this wasn't something that, you know, years back when I was writing a lot of user stories that we used as a, as a reference. I think it probably was around, but we just didn't use it here. And that's something called a spike. Hmm. And so a spike is more of a research task. Okay. So if there's like a, so take that, that, that payment gateway story that you, you said. Um, a good product manager or a good product owner might say, does the team understand what I mean when I say payment gateway? Right. Um, or do we know which payment gateway we, we want to use? So there's lots of different payments, Stripe or whatever. Right. And they might say, no, I need to do some research on that. So you can kind of flip that then to saying, then our task or our work to be done right now is a spike. Hmm. I need to go do some research to better yeah. understand what that story should be um, including. So right. back to your point of like what's in the story that's going to give you the context to make sure that you're doing the right things. So give yourself the freedom to know that if you're writing a story, there may be some unknowns still. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay to go, no, I need, I need some time, some effort, some, some focus on unpacking it, researching it, or maybe breaking it apart into mm -hmm. smaller stories. Mm -hmm. um, because, well, more often than not, they're, they're not small enough. They're not small enough. Um, they should be small enough to where, as you think about your, your work and you think about the length of your sprint, we do two weeks, you know, there's, that's also a debate. How long should a sprint be? Oh, yeah, of course. But stories should be broken down enough to where people have clarity to where they can complete the work in one iteration or one sprint. Otherwise, it's really difficult to prioritize. Oh my goodness. Is this probably, as much as people don't want to write stories, as much as people don't usually want to take the time to sit down and make sure that the acceptance criteria is right and the context is all there, this intentional work that you have to do up front because mm -hmm. they just want to get to building the thing. Right. Even more so, I see or I have done it, I'm guilty of this, I wrote user stories, they were just far too big. Mm. Just assuming it's like, oh, you should be able to do that. It should be easy. Right. Software is easy, right? <laughs> and um, not realizing the level of effort that really takes to, to build software. Well, and that's another great reason to have your team there and not done in silos because it's when everyone else who has a part in creating this yeah. this product is able to look at that story and determine okay that's not clear enough 
have we thought about all these other complexities and nuances, i.e. stories that need to be um, within that one epic? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I know I can hear people on the other end, our listeners going, yep, uh, this is something we struggle with and we never can get it right. And honestly, it's just a discipline to continue to ask yourself, can I make this simpler? Can we, can we make this chunk of work yep. a little bit smaller? Um, so that we're really confident that we can achieve it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it forces you to, to look at it a little closer, oh, just yeah. a little bit longer, that patience to look at it a little bit longer. Yep. Um, another mistake that, um, we've seen, we've experienced, um, um, we run into when we're picking up work from other people is that they just don't prioritize the work. Mm. Um, meaning they don't go in and, and say that, should we work on this before this, right? Is mm-hmm. this, is this piece of work more valuable to do now or later? Um, it, it tends to be whatever's written, put at the top is what gets done. Right. Whether or not it was valuable or not. Right. It's, it tends to be something where it's like, um, well, I don't know. That's what, that's what, I was told that it needs to be picked up next. And there isn't really a, um, a considerate focus on saying, what's the value of this work? Mm-hmm. What will this do for our user? Going right. back to that user-centered. Right. What's it going to take to do it? And is that worth doing before this other thing? Right. Um, so that we refer to a lot of times as backlog grooming, mm-hmm. where a product manager, a product owner, the team will go through and look at, here's the things upcoming, here's the things that we've captured, and we know we have lots to do. Mm-hmm. There's different types of things that we might have to do. Yeah. But we, um, what should be done next? And I think just the discipline of prioritizing is a value. It's not just prioritizing the value of what it will do to the user, though extremely important, but just the discipline because yeah. all the other considerations that come in to building a product. And we talk about this all the time with, with our teams and with our clients is that more stuff is going to come into the backlog <laughs> that you have to prioritize. Yeah, all the time. More and more and more. Again, we're talking about roadmap. You know, you, to get from point A to point B, you don't know exactly what's going to happen on that, what weather is going to come in your trip or oh, yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so things such as bugs, uh, mm-hmm. things such as more stories, more ideas, which if you have more ideas, you get more epics and more stories that you may have to prioritize. Again, if it's user, if you're truly being user centered and user focused, you should expect and even desire. Yeah new and fresh ideas, stories, and epics because you're getting closer and closer to what the user really wants. It's interesting though, I think there's a lot of pushback on that because whether you're the stakeholder, product owner, product manager, designer, developer, most people, mm, when, the, when they're going, when, the, when you get going, that's the word I'm looking for, when you get going, you want the flexibility. Mm-hmm. But when you're asked to be accountable to something, you want it to be fixed. Oh yeah. And what that, what you just suggested is ain't nothing fixed, like, right? <laughs> right. Uh, which is one of the reasons we, we really, we don't always push back on this, but we often are really struggling to understand, should we do this as a fixed, po- um, fixed scope effort mm-hmm. or should we do it as a more flexible, agile effort? Right. And there is a balance between those two things. Yeah. I'm not saying one's right or they're over the other every single time, but um, given the fact that bu- these, you know, like you said, all these things come up, you got to stay flexible. Yep. Um, okay. So wrapping up. We get the sense that we've, we've got a, a direction we're going as a team. We've picked out the, the challenge that we're solving. We've got a roadmap for how we think we might get there, but we know it's a living document. We might have some detours along the way. Right. We've now started to break that work down into what ought to be done first. We've made it user-centered. We've made it actionable. Mm-hmm. We've pr- started to prioritize it. We understand that things are going to come up. 
um, I think the question now is, um, do we have everyone aligned mm-hmm. on what we're doing next? Right. And are we ready to, to move into the work that has to be, get, can we start doing the thing? We want to go build something. We still haven't built right. anything yet. Right. And that's where that, the aspect of truly prioritizing comes into play. Um, I think a great question also to always ask is like, is, have we gotten down to the first principles? Have we gotten down Ooh, yeah. the smallest, at, uh, the smallest chunk of work to be able to um, complete this in one iteration or one sprint? And so always, and again, going back to the alignment question, it's like, as long as you can have everyone around the table contributing to that question, have we broken it down enough? Then we can actually start the true action of prioritizing. So I guess the big question is how fast can that be done? And how do you measure speed? Well, I believe that's a physics issue known as velocity. Oh, rate of speed over time, if my memory serves me. Correctly. Wow, blast from the past. Ah, uh, yes. My my teenagers have not gotten back to that that subject yet for me to relearn it. <laughs> of all the other many ones I've had to relearn. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, on next episode, I think that's what we're going to jump into is how do you estimate this work and how do you measure how fast your team's actually working? And we couldn't get there fast enough. I see what you did there. Can't wait. This episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Julie Branson and Steph Inger. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.